Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Today I'd like to introduce to you a wonderful friend and a wonderful member of the ACA board. A gentleman who has traveled uh, quite a lot, has done a lot in his life, has been both a minister but also a businessman. He's built up businesses in various places, traveled many places around the world, established churches as well as ministries. He still leads a number of ministries at the moment. He's settling in after overcoming some big health issues in the last few months. And uh, he's one of my biggest uh, cheerleaders in a sense. He helps me out so much. It's just such a privilege for me to journey with him and to have him today at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Pastor Jeff Hawking. Thank you. Pastor Jeff, uh, mm. I, I know I can't do justice uh, in introducing you. I could. You know, I could have a really long bio, but I think the most important aspect is that you're a true friend mm, and thanks. you have a father figure. You are a father figure to us, the younger men that are part of your circle and you've influenced us a lot and you are cheering me on, especially, you know, when we had the last meeting, uh, the way you just stand in the gap. And I think that's beautiful. Thank you. So welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Mm. I can't wait to hear your story and I'm sure that our listeners can't wait to hear that as wow. well. Where were you born? In England, I think. I was born in Wales. Wales? Yes. That's not England, is it? No. It's UK, but it's yes. it's on the other side of the yeah, channel. Well, well, no, it's on the same side of the channel as it's England. It's the river. But uh, no, it's not even across a river. It's just joined by border. Okay. So it's very close. Uh, so you're to, not that far, not towards no, Cardiff? No, no. Yes, very close to Cardiff. So what's that huge bridge that goes across? Oh, that's going over the, the, the Bristol Channel. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I've crossed that a couple of oh, times. Oh, wow. <laughs> Paid my five pounds to cross it <laughs> when yeah. I went to Cardiff. Yeah. So you were born in Wales? I was. Okay. A town called Barry. Barry, how many yeah. children in your family? I've got three girls. Okay. And um, many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Okay. And uh, when you were born, in the, in the family that you were born, how many children were there? Um, the, well, uh, um, my sister was 14 years younger than me. Okay. Yeah, so there was two of us, but she turned up 14 years later. Okay, mm. wonderful. What was it like growing up in Wales? Uh, well, that was during the war, and um, that's the Second World War. Yeah. And um, it, the the war didn't affect me as a child because it was just normal. Okay. Everything was normal for me. So, um, at the end of the war, we we moved to a place called Newport, which was quite close, and my mother. Uh, obtained a, a position as a housekeeper in a gentleman's f farm, right? Okay. He was a gentleman farmer. Yep. And uh, and so I lived there um, with her because after the war, my father was um, affected terribly by the war and he couldn't adjust. 
So we didn't see him again until 1948. Where was he during that time? Well, he just hid away. He didn't want to associate with family members and so on, but eventually he adjusted and, um, and actually uh, came back to the family. Mm. So the war, the war affected him. The war affected him terribly, yeah. How old was he when he went to the war? Um, well, he was in his uh, early early 20s, mm. very early 20s. But he survived, obviously. Oh, yes. Was he, um, um, what, what part of um, the army was he in? Well, he was in the Air Force. Okay. And he was on an island called Malta. Mm-hmm. And there, there was blockades and it was a very bad time there. Yes. And what upset him most was the fact that um, he, his friends were all killed. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, affected him. Yeah. When, uh, when, when I eventually presented the gospel to him, yes. he asked me about the friends that had died. What about them? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, if they haven't done what you're going to do, they will be going to the wrong place. And he wept. Yeah. He wept for them. Mm. Yeah. That would have been tough. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We, we speak in, in coaching and emotional intelligence about, uh, get, about sport, but also about uh, the army and war. And uh, people don't realize that in the war, you're not really fighting for your nation. You're fighting for your friends. Mm-hmm. In the trenches, it's no longer about being patriotic. Mm-hmm. It's about mateship. You're fighting for the guy next to you. Yeah, it's it's that personal, mm-hmm. and obviously for him it was very personal. Mm-hmm. And having lost his uh, best mates in the war would have affected him emotionally. Yeah, and um, so he locked himself away for a while, but then he came back. Yes, he did. Yeah, 1948. How old were you when he returned? Uh, I was born in 41, and he came back in uh, 48, so... Yes. Yeah. Do you remember him before 48? No. So that's your first... So you obviously yeah. you heard stories about him from your mom. Yes. Yeah. And then when when he did come back, how was it? Well, he came to the farm where uh, my mother was the housekeeper. Yes. And he just turned up one day. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, my mother shouted for me and... Uh, she said, this is your father. Wow. Yeah, that was an interesting day. But um, then uh, things, you know, the things got a little bit better and... Um, so he, he was allowed to stay with you? Well, no, or he you moved out? He, he went, he went away because he'd, he'd, he obtained also a position with the United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority mm-hmm. and, um, and he had this job and so what what happened then was um, he was living with his mother in a, a holiday town called Blackpool yes. in, uh, in Lancashire. Um, and so we were invited to go and, and, uh, and live in the same house. So you left the farm? So yes, left the farm and, uh, and I, I was in school uh, in Blackpool for a while. But mm-hmm. then uh, housing became available just outside the uh, the factory where my dad worked. Uh, there were seven thousand people working there. Mm. It used to be a munitions factory, okay. but they changed it then to uh, to re- refining Australian, um, you know, the the 
the stuff they dig out of the ground and they make into uranium. Okay. So, so yeah, so yeah, that's so we we became a family then in mm-hmm. a house called a prefab. What uh, what were your school years like? What did you enjoy doing at school? Um, hmm. I I think um, enjoy is probably not a good description. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I put up with school, <laughs> and uh, and although I was I was okay, but I did most of my schooling after I left school. I studied for twenty five years after. Got, yeah, yeah. So that's where I got all all my the knowledge that I use e- even today, uh, being a. Um, a tutor at TAFE. So, yes. Uh, and uh, what was the pastime like? What were you doing? Were you playing sports? Were you playing football? Like the kids? Were you skating? Were you BMXing? I, I used to do roller skating. Yes. And I was also a, um, a, um, a distance swimmer. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, I was training for the Morecambe Bay swim and then if I uh, was successful at that um, I, I would have uh, gone for the the channel swim between England and France in fact um, a channel swimmer was coaching me his name was Harold Bracewell and uh, and he was coaching me but but in the end um, my wife got in the way well she wasn't my wife then at the time <laughs> yes so I, I was kind of I talked out of that it, I didn't need too much talking out, but yeah. How long is the channel swim? Twenty-two miles. Twenty-two miles, so about forty k's. Yeah. Thirty-eight, thirty-nine kilometers. Yeah, and it's it's the it's when you get to the other side that the problem is because it's the tide yes. that that um, draws you back. Yeah, Harold Bracewell tried the attempt twice, mm-hmm. but failed both times by about. Um, three kilometers because he, he he's just so tired he couldn't overcome the the tide coming out wow mm. that would be a huge discipline yeah. yeah so you're talking about your wife um when did you meet the princess um, i i grew i grew up with her because um, in blackpool she, no no we when when we moved from blackpool we went to i i went to live in a village uh which is um, very close to Jones Village, and mm-hmm. it was just a short walking distance. So we 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 always saw one another. We went to the same church at Christmas and Easter, and uh, and the, the youth group and 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 um, Sunday school and the Sunday oh, so school. So you grew party. up in church. Well, I, Anglican I, church. I grew in, yes in the Anglican church. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And were those values reinforced at home with your mom and dad? No. No. So it was just a, a community place yes, for children. A, yeah, it was a, a community thing. Everybody did it, you know, yeah. so well, I, I was involved in that too. So you were sweethearts from school kind of thing or from... Mm. from yeah, from no. about um, 14, I think. How did you know that she was it? Well, I was explaining to uh, Mitchell the other day that I never asked her to marry me, <laughs> and she never asked me to marry her. We just knew we would. Yes. And um, there's a there's a tradition in England called um, the bottom drawer, and we used to go out and buy things for our future together and put it in the bottom drawer. 
Okay. Right. So we used to do a saving, that. a saving kind yes, of. Yes, that's right. Just you know, you bought the things that you think you might need, and yes, that's that's good. Yeah. So you never got on booze or drugs or anything like that? No. No. I was a professional musician. What were you playing? I I I played uh, bass, drums, guitar, mm -hmm. and um, and tenor sax. My wife also played tenor sax. Okay. Yeah. I've got an Armstrong at home, a tenor sax as well. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> did a bit of jazz. Yeah. Back in high school, wonderful. Yeah. And uh, did you learn that at school, or was it a vocation that you took outside <clears throat> I school? I learned I learned piano at school. Yes. And uh, my family, it was a sacrifice for them to give me piano lessons. Mm. And um, and so, and we, <clears throat> the the piano was placed in the hallway, you know, so I had to go in the hallway to practice. But yeah. it was a sacrifice for them. After the, after the war and in the, like the, the early, um, the early 50s, yes. things were, were beginning to get better, but it was still hard. So there was two expenses, one to buy the piano and then to buy the lessons. Yeah. And uh, so where were you playing? Um, well, um, I I played in the evenings, right? And um, and because rock and roll was very popular, a lot yes. of the musicians went into that field. Mm. So there was no one for uh, playing for dinner dances in the in the. Uh, you know the equivalent five-star hotels. Yes. So we we had we we'd travel as far as two hundred miles to do a gig on the know. weekends. Yeah. Well, during the week as well. Okay. So, so that, I, that became your job. Uh, uh, no. I, oh, that was I, after hours. I, I I was also studying electrical uh, engineering at the Atomic Energy Authority. So okay. I was doing that, and actually, uh, and and coming back home at two o'clock in the morning and. And up to go to work at six thirty to get there for twenty past seven. Wonderful, mm. very committed. Yeah. So, um, with this sweetheart of yours, how how did you make it? I mean, what did you do? Well, how did you convince her, or how how did it happen? I didn't have to convince her. We we just got married, and uh, you and planned it. You just said. Well, the, the how did you choose the date, the, the, the place? The wonderful thing that happened was that uh, in those days money was tight, right? Of course. And so, um, we the reception uh, was paid for and catered for by the people that worked with Joan because she worked in the uh, the factory cafeteria. Mm. The the boss there made the wedding cake. He also played the organ, right? <laughs> and uh, and and the, the guy that played the piano in in, um, in in the group that I was involved in, he paid for our honeymoon. Wonderful. And uh, and so it was it was marvelous, uh, you know. It were, and we had a guard of honor of um, musicians holding instead of swords, holding the up instruments. their instruments. Wow. Yeah, coming out of the church. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, um, Eleven years ago, my wife went to be with Jesus, and um, and uh, that was just prior to our fiftieth wedding anniversary. Mm. 
So we would have been married for 61 years. This um, year? Yeah. Wow, what a legacy. Yeah. Beautiful. So that was the worst thing that ever happened to me, losing my wife. Mm. It took some adjustment. It took me five years to really adjust to that. Yeah. And um, see, <clears throat> for 25 years she was confined to a wheelchair. And for 15 of those years, she couldn't stand or walk or take care of herself. I had to lift her in and out of bed, onto the toilet, in and out of the car. I had to shower her. I had to cook all the food. And at the same time I was doing that, I was running a multi-million dollar business. Mm. So... Wasn't much sleep there. Oh yes, but it was fine. You know, I mean, when, when people say... Oh, you know, I prefer to be doing it today. Yes. Than, than not having it. Do you know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Mm. So that was. Was a, it an accident or what happened? To it her? was uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. She started getting it when she came to Australia. It started in her little fingers, but then it affected all her major joints. Like her, she, she couldn't lift her arms up any further than that, and her her, her legs were locked at right angles. Mm. Oh. That is tough. Mm. And uh, you have how many children? Three daughters? Three girls. Three girls. Yeah. And uh, why did you come to Australia or how did you come to Australia? Um, I was transferred here by the company I was working for. Yes. Um, they gave me opportunities around the world mm-hmm. and, um, and I, chose, I chose Perth. I could have chose Los Angeles, a place in Portugal, South Africa, um, uh, even South South Australia. Um, yes. So I could have chosen those places. company was expanding at that time and they, they wanted the technical input in these areas. Mm-hmm. And um, I eventually became technical director of the company in Sydney. And your wife, she was okay with this? She agreed yes. immediately? Yeah. And you... you Boarded the boat to Perth. Yeah, yeah. two week journey, two and a half weeks. Um, it actually took a month. Took a month. Yeah. Which way did it come? Down uh, well. Around uh, South Africa. Yeah, the, the Suez Canal was Wasn't closed it? at that time. Yeah, yeah. It would have yeah. been a bit shorter. Mm. Did you stop anywhere on the long? On the yes, way? we stopped at Las Palmas mm-hmm. and Cape Town. Okay. And from Cape out the town straight to Freedom. Yeah. That's a good week almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where did you establish yourself in Perth? Um, we we um, we bought a house in Belmont. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you were working for this company. Uh, yes. Were they a mining company? No. No. Electronics. Well, a mixture of electronics and and um, and mechanical things. So mm-hmm. I was qualified in both areas by then. Yeah. In, in, in more than those And areas. your wife settled in okay? Yes. And then you had the daughters, all three daughters in Australia? or Two daughters in England, one daughter in Australia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, uh, <coughs> so your career developed and, and then your wife got sick. And um, this, this went on and you were trying to, well, you were doing the balancing act, I suppose. Yeah, for 25 years she was unable to take care of herself really, but she could walk a little. Right, 
Yeah. And were your daughters nearby to help out? Oh, yes. Or they... Yep, they're still, they're still nearby. Yes. They look after me now. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, then uh, with, with Christianity, how, how, were, how were you traveling in that regard? Well, <clears throat> being born in Wales and having my mother's family there well established. Yes. My auntie, great aunt Muriel was praying for us all the time. Mm. And she was someone who was, um, you know, uh, born again in the, in the Welsh revival in uh, 1905 and six, right? Yes. So that the whole family was, um, a lot of them were, were devoted Christians. Certainly, Great Aunt Muriel was because I believe that I'm in the place I am today because of her prayers. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So you came to Australia, did you attend the local church or what did you do? Um, well, it began earlier than that because the first encounter I had um, with God, if you like, um, happened when I was about 10 mm -hmm. and um, I used to go out into the fields and I used to go out early in the morning and I used to collect mushrooms and um, and so on the on the way back on one occasion I heard this voice saying to me you're going to work for me one day hmm. and I was silent for a moment and then thought who could this be and my reply was, no, thank you. I don't want to be a vicar. Yes. So, and that happened three times. Mm -hmm. So from that time when I was about 10 years old to the time I was 27, I ran away. Yes. Now, at that time, I was marketing manager of Australia's largest construction company. Okay. And um, I was working on... In a, Perth. In Perth, yeah. And I was working uh, on a an advertising campaign but i couldn't get any advertising agents to to respond to my calls hmm. and i wondered why that was so but anyway uh, one of our clients i was happened to be talking to him and and he said i've got an advertising agent here today with me yes i said please would you ask him to give me a call yes and i'd like him to come in Mm. And so he did give me a call and I made an appointment mm -hmm. and he turned up at the reception area and, um, and the girl said, I've got a, an advertising agent. And I said, please bring him in. Yes. So uh, she knocked on my office door and opened it and introduced this advertising agent and he looked at me and he pointed at me and he said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> That was his first words to me. And so we sat down and we talked about Jesus for a while. Yeah. And um, he was and advertising Jesus, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marketing so, your construction business. Yeah. Uh, we, we did work together on, yes. on some things, right? But, but anyway, he, he, he invited me to church yes. regularly. Mm -hmm. And. Um, and one day I did actually turn up and my wife was with me and, and, um, and we walked in, I walked in through the door. And as soon as I walked in through the door, 
I wept yes. and I didn't start, stop weeping until I walked out of the door and that happened week after week. Yeah. I don't, can't remember how many weeks but it felt a long time. Yes. And then there was a retired old preacher um, that came and he preached and, uh, and, and there was an invitation. Yes. And I, do you know what frog marching is? No. It's when someone grabs hold of your collar yes. and the seat of your pants yes. and then... Ah, oh, yeah. Pushes you, carries <laughs> yeah. you. I was lifted up out of my seat. <laughs> right? And I was holding my wife's hand yeah. and she had to come too. Yeah. And I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour to receive the gift of eternal life. And I was filled with the Spirit on the spot. Yes. But Joan had to do it again another day. Oh. Right? So it wasn't her time. Yes. Right? So when I, when I walked forward, when I walked forward in, in, to the front, it was like walking through a balloon. Mm. I, I felt it on my face. And it's, it went round my body and closed at the other side. Yes. And I was in this anointed area. Cocoon. Yeah. So that was quite an experience. Unforgettable, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my life began to change. So what did uh, Joanne say when she saw that? Did, did she sense what was going on? Oh, yes. Yes, she was aware of what was going on. But, yeah. but it had to be, I think it was two weeks later when she made her commitment. Okay. Yeah. So what transformation did that bring to you? Well... <clears throat> I've heard so many people say things like, come to Jesus and all your problems are over. <laughs> it wasn't like that for me. <laughs> I had plenty of problems when I came to Jesus. Yeah. And um, the first, one of the first things, that, uh, the major thing that was happened, I was given the, um, the sack from a very influential position in a company. Yes. My expense account was $14,000. And mm. that was in the 1970s, mm. right? So, so all of these things were were happening in my in my life, and um, and and you see what 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 God was doing. He was dealing with me, yes, because I had an ego. Oh, right? No, it, yes, the ego was the a terrible driving force, and um, and and so see my goal from when I was a very young person was to be managing director there. yeah and so i had an ego to match and you got there yeah i got there yeah um but when i got there there was nothing no nothing no so it was, <laughs> it's pretty dry what, what's at the this top. about what's this quite about? lonely yeah so it didn't there's only one pl uh, yeah. one way from there down yeah, yeah. you can't stay on the peak mm. yeah the weather is not friendly up there yeah so um I um, uh, when when I when I um, when I got the sack from this company, I I was invited by um, an organisation called YWAM. Yes. Um, and um, they were establishing or wanted to establish a uh, a, a, a branch, a, a base here in Perth, and the guy called Peter Brownhill, um, who's Who's, who's there now, yes. he wasn't available for six months. So mm. they said, would I take care of things yes. in, in that six months? So I, I pioneered YWAM for that period of time. 
Wow. Um, and uh, and did quite a number of things. It coincided with a um, when the when the Commonwealth Games were in Brisbane, and so what YWAM said we want to organise a a run of faith. Yes. Around the coast of Australia, starting in Perth mm. and going all the way around the coast. Now, so it was my job to get um, the transport, the running shoes, the the, the torches that you know that they were because they were going to hand it to yes. people as they as mm. they and so they ran around Australia. Two teams ran yeah. around Australia, even Tasmania. Mm. And so my job was to organise that. And so I. I organised the television coverage, the big events too, so I was doing that kind of thing. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And then how did you begin your TAFE journey? <coughs> well, that the TAFE journey only only started when I actually retired okay. from business. And um, <coughs> in about uh, 1983, um, um, I had a, I, God spoke to me again. He didn't speak to me very often. And it was in, you know, 1952 that he spoke to me the first time saying, I'm going, you know, you're going to work for me one day. And he was yeah. right. <laughs> He's always <laughs> he was, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But then he said, um, I want you to leave the place where you're working. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 start a company called Agape Distributors. Okay. And so um, <clears throat> I did that. And at the same time, he said, "You're going to be a link in the chain of obedient and safe and and uh, faithful servants around the around Australia and maybe even around the world." Mm. And he gave me a vision of this um, foundry where yeah. they had a, a gantry crane, and this gantry crane lifted up. A, a, a vessel and all the the material was molten and the sparks were coming out and it was lifted up like this and then it began to tip over yeah and um and and um, as the as the molten metal um it changed to money and people going mm -hmm. out yeah everywhere and that that gantry crane could drop it anywhere yeah and so I started uh, after getting that vision, followed that through by starting the company, and we did exactly that. Hmm. We we poured money into God's work in various places. Yes. In fact, I was invited to go and see the King of Tonga. Wow. With uh, with with thirty five other businessmen, and the reason why he wanted um, some advice was that. One of the religious organisations um, that's that's all over the world said that they'd give him a billion dollars if he would proclaim um, the kingdom of Tonga in, in that religion. Oh, in that religion, oh, not yes, a Christian. Yeah, yeah, not Christian. So yes. he said, "What's God going to do?" One billion dollars. Yeah, one billion dollars. Wow. Yeah, because uh, the nation of Tonga was one of the um, evangelistic countries. They went out in canoes yes, all over throughout the, the Pacific. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, um, 
um, what what actually happened was YWAM was introduced into into that situation and um, and and he didn't accept the money. Mm. So um, uh, there's another interesting story. Perhaps I'll tell you that another time about how I was going to Tonga and I didn't have a passport yeah. and how I got one in four hours wow. when I was in Sydney. That's a miracle. In yeah, itself. it was a miracle. Mm. And you know, there was an angel involved. I can believe that. Yep, yeah. there was an angel involved. So you see, when, 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 when a person gets involved in the kingdom of God mm. and, um, and starts responding to what God wants yes. and listening to Holy Spirit, all kinds of things happen yes. that are unexplainable. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's beautiful. Yes, it is. And then you also had the journey of River of Life here in Perth as a pastor. Yes, so I you've did. done ministry as well. You've, you've yes, you've um, studied obviously the Bible. You became a pastor, and you led this uh, church that you yeah. set up here in Perth. I, I'll come back to that, but I also started uh, a missionary organization in Thailand, mm. and. Um, and um, I, I uh, um, got someone. I, I, I'm more of a facilitator. Yes. Right. And um, and so um, that that continued for many years, but mm. it was under the control of another guy who who I appointed to that. Yeah. And um, so there was a, a, an orphanage for eighty eight people, a Bible school, a drug rehabilitation center. We had. Um, um, the w- buffaloes were very expensive. Yeah, and so we they used were to, a source of income. Yeah, also. that's right. And but we what we used to do we used to provide the rotary hose. Yes, right. And so uh, we had teams of people going out yes. using those rotary hose and helping the farmers, and uh, they would get ten percent of the of the Price income from that. Of so, the crops. so that that's the kind of thing that we're doing there. But to get back to. Uh, River of Life. There were there were Filipino uh, people, yes. and um, it was it was a really great time there. Yeah. Um, and um, and for for four or five years, we had a group of them called Gorillas for Jesus. Not the ones with the hairy armpits, but no. <laughs> the ones that the gorillas that you know used to f- come down from the mountains and fight fight the yes. the enemy. Right. Well, we were. That was us. Yeah. And so over that period of time, more than 80 people um, made commitments. Yeah. Yeah, because we used to go out, make appointments, go and see people. Mm. But I, 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 uh, we did some training, mm-hmm. right? And um, how to live the lifestyle of a soul winner. Yes. And also how to tell your story. Yes. And so they were equipped to be able to do it. So. Mm. They knew exactly what to do, so there was no fear yes. that people have about going out. What are they going to say? Because yeah. church train. doesn't train people to yeah. share their their faith with yes. others, and we did that, and so that that was that was excellent. But I retired from that, and then when uh, our friend Bob passed away, he yeah. went to receive his reward. Yeah, he, I, he was I, graduating. Yeah, graduated. Yes. 
and uh, and so I I had the privilege of looking after things until they found a permanent pastor down at Yalup. At Yalup. Yeah. Yeah. So Yalup is uh, obviously the town that got burned down. Mm-hmm. And my spiritual father and your good friend, yeah. or let's say your brother, yeah. and my father, Dr. Bob Chapman, he had the massive, massive task of uh, blessing that community, yeah. uh, helping them rise above that uh, challenge yeah. and establish the church, the Yalu Christian Fellowship mm-hmm. there uh, until he passed away. Yeah. And he passed on that mantle to you for mm-hmm. a little while. For a little while. Until you established there a local uh, leadership. Someone, someone to take take that on and the people who have taken it on the husband and wife team and you were there last week weren't you last Sunday yes I was how did that go it was good yeah yeah I preached a, a message and uh, my messages are often about salvation yes and uh, and so we we did that and um, anyway it was good yeah. uh, it's great to be seeing those people again and uh, well, obviously, you went through a patch of uh, of a challenge, health challenge, and you you haven't been there for about three months, have you? No. I'd was that a bit of a scare? In a sense, uh, was it was it, it was quite difficult for you. Yes, wasn't it? it was. Uh, Very I, interesting. I don't know that I was scared, but but um, I, I wondered whether my time had come. Yeah. Because they couldn't find out what was wrong, and it mm. took them two and a half weeks to get it under control when they did find out what yeah. was wrong. But I've recovered from that now very well and uh, bec- you know, people have, many people have prayed for me and um, yeah. part of what I do now is run um, kingdom growth groups yeah. and, and we also have that prayer of agreement where, Which is beautiful. where people put, you know, let us know what they want God to do and we agree with them. And I, I'm part of that group on, on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I love the way you put it. It's asking people to agree with you in prayer for something, yeah. which creates unity, creates focus, creates direction. Yeah. And when people ask the Lord, you know, with purpose, with clarity, they do receive. It's measurable. Yes, it's, it's something that you see and then yeah. you can testify of, which is beautiful. One of the early experiences with that is that... Um, Someone had uh, leukemia, yeah, and um, they sent their prayer request in, yes, and uh, we all prayed, and uh, the leukemia disappeared. Wow! Yeah, that's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. it's cancer of the blood. Yeah. Well, I'll 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 tell you right now. I have a friend, whom I have known since 1994. He's not Christian. In fact, he's worse than an agnostic. He's he's read the Bible. <laughs> But he doesn't want to believe. I, I tell him he's agnostic. He says he's pagan. I think he's right. And uh, I went to see him last Friday uh, at his home. And he's in his mid-70s. And he has leukemia. And I told him, you know, I said, don't you think, John is his name. I said, John, don't you think it's time to reconcile with God? He said, Nathaniel, it's all a myth. It's all a myth. You've been conditioned to think this way. And he he knows the truth, but he doesn't want to believe. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, John, you know, I think down deep inside, you still question this. I don't think you truly made up your mind. He said, yes, yeah, sometimes I wonder. <laughs> but he said, I don't believe it, but I do wonder. And uh, I didn't want to obviously uh, push 
you know, the Bible up his down his throat. But he did say to me, you know, I've read it. He said, I've read it. Most Christians haven't read it. I can tell you. He said, and because I read it, that's why I don't believe it. He said, because it just doesn't make sense. He said, you know, Jonah couldn't have been swollen by a fish and, you know, and the story of Noah. And then, you know, he just started picking about, you know, the talking snake in the garden and various things as they do, which was fine. And I just heard him and I allowed him to speak. And I said, do you read? He said, yeah, he goes, I, I read novels and I read a lot of books because he's quite well spoken. And I said to him, look, if I wrote a book, would you read it? <laughs> I said to him, and uh, he said, of course I would read it, Nathaniel. You know, he said, oh, you know, I've known you for over 20 years, you know. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I've, I've written a book and I'd love for you to read it. He said, all right, I'll read it, but I want you to read a pagan book as well. He said to me, we make a deal. <laughs> so I sent him this book, which uh, it's called 19 Copied Lessons the Church Cannot Ignore. I actually wanted to send him this book, 40 Years and 40 Days, because I think this is more discipleship than this one. But my brother-in-law went to see him uh, yesterday on Sunday, and um, he had that in the car. So I said, just give that to him, and I'll give this to him a bit later. And I'm, I'm waiting for the pagan book he's going to give me to read as well. <laughs> but I think the Lord is doing something there. So if you and I agree with this, uh, put him on your list as well. Uh, mail it out in that church group. Uh, kingdom growth group to, to the group as well and let's see another miracle in leukemia but you know what before I left he allowed me to pray for him mm. I said would you like me to pray for you yeah and he stood still and he he came next to me and as if you can touch me so I touched him on the shoulder and I prayed for him and he stood still and uh, he said all right I want to see he said to me I want to see the miracle oh I said well okay yeah. Well, we, we, I said, we can agree with that, yeah. can't we? Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I truly believe that the Lord will touch him. Wow. And a miracle will happen in his life. Yeah. And his life will be turned around. So I, uh, I'm watching this space. I want to get in touch with him, even though I'm quite busy. But, you know, I think he's becoming a personal piece. So your inspiration is great, you know. And I love the fact that you're praying for other people. And now we have another man to pray mm -hmm. for. Uh, as we approach the end of this uh, show, uh, Jeff, what would you like to be known by? What's the legacy you'd like to pass on to the generations that follow? I'd like to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ. And... Um, Yes, that's, if I can be remembered as a follower of Jesus Christ, that would be good for me. Yeah. And what would you like to inspire others to do? Well, I'm going to look at the person who's looking at this video right now. Yeah. And I'm going to speak to them. Do you mind if I Please do that? Do. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're looking at this video right now, I can tell you that my life was changed significantly by someone I hadn't known before. And uh, even though I hadn't known him, 
He loved me so much that he wanted to draw me closer to him. But one of the things I had to do before I could make that connection was to repent of my sinfulness. And that's the starting point for everyone to receive the gift of eternal life, to be born again. So once we recognize our sinfulness, and, uh, and, and if you're feeling that sinfulness right now, I think that I'm going to ask that Holy Spirit would convict you powerfully about that, that you would have godly sorrow about that and you've sinned against God and you want to respond. And then you can go to the next step. You can believe what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus said it is finished when they nailed him to the cross. And it was finished because, not because he was nailed there, not because a spear went into his side, not because um, it was a humiliating experience. Jesus died because he took all of our sin onto himself, yours and mine. And so we're, we're in this situation now where Jesus has done that for you. Will you accept the truth of that? When you've accepted the truth of that, you can then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. And when you go under the water, you come up out of the water again and you're a new person. Yeah. And at that time, you receive Holy Spirit. And I want that for you. I experienced that. And in 1977, it changed, began to change my life for the better. The process goes on and it's still going on now and it will go on for you. So if that's you, I'm just praying for you right now. For whoever is watching right now, I'm praying for you that you would know that God is real and that you've sinned against God and you are so upset about that, you feel pierced in the heart. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. That's all right. I love that the process goes on. <laughs> it doesn't stop. It doesn't yeah. stop with you and I. Yeah. It just carries on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, giving us this amazing opportunity to thank you. hear your story and also the love that you have for those people who haven't mm -hmm. received Jesus. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us on this amazing Kingdom Stories from Down Under with Pastor uh, Jeff Hawking. You've heard an amazing story. A truly humble man who has experienced so much with the Lord and just ready to share the gospel with others. And uh, I think we're going to title this, The Process Goes On. And the process goes on for you and I, and we must carry on doing our part every single day. If you enjoy this content, we'd love for you to share it around. Spread the good news to other people, share it on your social media. Um, just get it as far as possible. It'd be nice if you could subscribe and also rate this content. We love five stars, of course. And uh, write a comment, write us a feedback, and uh, just tell other people about this. We hope that you will be back with us for another episode of Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I am Nathaniel Kustia. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing. 
including yours. 